On October 31st, 2014, I woke up with sudden hearing loss in my right ear. Over the course of the next three weeks, the doctors diagnosed me with a viral infection in my ear, which thankfully reversed in full with massive amounts of steroids. Over the course of the last seven years, I've experienced sudden hearing loss in my right ear a number of times, eventually leading to a diagnosis of Meniere's disease, a disorder of the inner ear. The signs and symptoms of Meniere's disease include reoccurring episodes of vertigo, hearing loss, ringing in the ear, and a feeling of fullness in the ear. During these flare-ups, I experience all of these symptoms, except for the vertigo. With each flare-up, more damage is done to my ear, which will eventually lead to permanent and irreversible hearing loss. Welcome to This Shit Works, Episode 65. I'm your host, Julie Brown, and this is an episode near and dear to my heart, where I talk with Dustin Feldman about how we can create more inclusive environments for the deaf and hard of hearing. This episode is sponsored by Nickerson, a full-service branding, marketing, and PR and communications agency with team members in Boston, Los Angeles, Miami, and New York City. Visit them at nickersoncos.com. Welcome to This Shit Works, your weekly no-nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, and way more success with your host, Julie Brown. Here we go. On average, one in eight people in the United States, or 30 million people, age 12 years or older, has hearing loss in both ears based on standard hearing examinations. Approximately 15% of American adults, that's 37.5 million, aged 18 and over, report some trouble hearing. Like most things that don't directly affect us, I never worried about these statistics and their implications until I myself became part of the statistic. I remember three days after losing the hearing in my right ear, Chris and I were visiting friends in Manhattan. We went to dinner in a restaurant housed in a space that was formerly a bank. It was ornate, with floor-to-ceiling windows, marble columns, and an open kitchen. It was an acoustical nightmare for me. I couldn't make out any of the conversation. All of the sounds around me blended together. I spent the evening cupping my right ear and trying to hear out of my left. Now think about networking events. How loud they are. So many people talking all at the same time. Now think about how important we know networking is for our careers and think about trying to navigate them when you are deaf and hard of hearing. My hearing loss didn't affect me until I was in my 30s. And still to this day, it's only intermittent, occurring during a flare-up of the Meniere's disease, which occurs about once a year. This is why I have asked Dustin Feldman to join us. Dustin was diagnosed with profound bilateral high-frequency hearing loss when he was five years old. And over the years, he has not only found a way to overcome this challenge in his life, but to also be an advocate for the deaf and hard of hearing. Dustin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. And that was a lovely introduction. Oh, thanks. You're the only one in your family with hearing loss, correct? I am. I am. It was... Um... It was so random. <laughs> Why me? No one in the family. It was new to all of us, but 
we were all ready to take on the challenge. How did your parents take on that challenge? Because you were five years old. That's a time when we are really learning a lot of things. Were you having a hard time learning or what? How were your parents dealing with that diagnosis? So do you remember when they used to do the in-school hearing test and yep. the nurse would sit across the table and just say words and press the button and you know, you'd hear a beep and you just raise your hand. Yep. That was when we realized I had trouble. I was fooling my friends, my family, my teachers all the way up until then. Um, and, and no one knew I was hard of hearing. So it wasn't until the nurse put something over their mouth and I couldn't naturally read their lips. And so I guess I was cheating the whole time. I was reading lips. And, um, and that's how we realized that one year they did it without covering their mouth. Mm. The next year they covered their mouth. And it was a matter of that one year that we realized it. So I obviously have to have hearing tests all of the time. And it they stress me out to this day. So I get in the booth and I put on the headphones. And for people who haven't had a hearing test, it is you repeat words back or you raise your hand if you hear sounds. And when I sit in the booth for too long and I haven't heard a sound, like I immediately get stressed out because I'm like, oh my God, I can't hear, I can't hear. For me, it's a huge source of anxiety. Yeah. Um, I, I just kind of thought of that memory because I didn't think of that in a while, but you're right. It builds up the anxiety. It's kind of frustrating. I'm in the same boat. When I get my hearing test, I'm not hearing anything. And I'm like, press the button anyway, you know, <laughs> but the person, the audiologist knows yeah. probably didn't hear anything. How um, often do you get your hearing tested? Well, I did just get a recent test maybe a year and a half ago, just before the pandemic. So last January, 2020, when I knew I was getting brand new hearing aids mm. and you have to have a recent audiogram in order to get uh, different hearing aids in particular. Okay. So my last hearing test was um, last week <laughs> because I'm having a flare up of the many years. And every time I have a flare up, they have to do a baseline to see how much of my hearing I've lost during the flare up. So mine was last week. So I'm like still thinking about it. How did you go to school and learn and become so successful with your hearing loss? Let's start with school. What was it like being in school? Did you feel different? Did you learn differently? Just like life, there's so many different chapters in the life of school, if you will. And for me, my chapters break down from elementary school when it first happened, when we first got diagnosed with, with hearing loss. And I say we because it was me, but my mother was my number one advocate, my, my dad, my, my brother, my grandparents, my family and friends were so supportive of me. So that's one chapter, elementary school, the, the beginning. Then there was middle school and IEP meetings came about. My parents would go and start advocating for me and meet the teachers ahead of time. We're talking so about if that. Teachers don't know IEP is individualized education plan. Awesome. Thank you for uh, explaining that one. And then high school, same deal, but now a, a new school, more students from other schools, bigger, upperclassmen, sports come into play. And then college, right? So there's different chapters and we can talk about 
all of them if you'd like. Yeah, I'm just curious to see if you felt like you had to learn differently how the environments were because schools, they're not designed with the best acoustics. It's a lot of hard surfaces and hard materials. So did that affect the way you were learning? I would say there's one common denominator in all of those chapters. And that is to constantly be on offense. Mm. What I mean by that is no matter what surrounding you're in, no matter who you're with, no matter where you are, be on offense and be comfortable with how you learn best, how you hear best, how you interact best, how you can be the best version of yourself, no matter what, no matter where. Okay. And when it's in the school environment, as I'm growing, I'm realizing, okay, I'm, I can do this. This is just how it has to be. Mm-hmm. I need to sit up front. I need to be participating in class. I need to be raising my hand, answering the questions when they ask. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the first to answer, but when I was a great student, I was enthusiastic, I was excited. And I had a good reputation and a good relationship with my teachers, my professors, and my classmates. What was it like transitioning into a professional world? Again, more <laughs> chapters. It's that same common denominator, be on offense, know yourself, continue to learn about yourself. You, you made a great point, Julie. You said in the introduction, you didn't even worry about that those stats before you became part of that stat. And that's eye-opening because it's today in the world of diversity, equity, inclusion, DEI, when we talk about inclusivity and, and accessibility, right. accommodations, it's really just building awareness and being educated about as much as you can be yeah. in life in general. And when I think about you know, I'm married to an architect. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows that. And so there's, we think a lot about ADA compliancy for the way that we design buildings. And when I lived in Brookline, there was a large school for the blind in Brookline. And I remember in Brookline when they changed all of the crossing lights to say the name of the street, you can now cross Beacon Street. And it was super loud. You can now cross Beacon Street. All of these things that we have to think about, like, again, but until they affect you, you don't realize that they affect other people every single day, which I think is going to lead me into my next question, because I don't know the answer to this. And I'm asking you because I don't know the answer, but I spend a tremendous amount of my time going to events, networking events, panel discussions, me even as a speaker. These are not events where I feel like they are welcoming events for the deaf of hard of hearing. They're not easy for the people who are deaf of hard of hearing to uh, attend. Where can we start creating events that the barrier to entry for being deaf of hard of hearing is taken away where it's like everybody can go and either hear or lip read or have a sign language person. Like how do we start making events available to the people who are deaf and hard of hearing? Great question. Makes me think of a lot of different things. And let me share a story and inspiration to me is my grandfather. My late grandfather happened to be a double amputee. 
So that to me was a disability. That was a handicap. Mm -hmm. He had gotten in a boating accident when he was younger. He hit the propeller and lost a hand and his left shin down. So he had a hook and he had a wooden leg. You see the hook. You don't necessarily see the wooden leg. Mm -hmm. When he goes to an event, a restaurant, you expect a ramp. That's a standard. You see a ramp. Right. And he's happy about that. When they don't have it, he's got to climb let, uh, you know, stairs. That's difficult. It becomes a standard where no matter where you are, a restaurant, a venue, brand new convention center, the Omni in, in, in Seaport, there's accessibility. Whether it's for handicapped folks that can't walk, they need a wheelchair up a ramp, whatever it may be. Now we have to think of every sense hearing, sight, walking, everything. Mm -hmm. So now is the time to really make sure, pun intended, all designers, all architects hear the needs of folks that are hard of hearing. Mm -hmm. Now, don't forget, yes, there are 40, 50 million people in the United States alone that are hard of hearing or deaf. 14% of them get the help they need, assistive technology. That's a huge percentage of people that aren't getting the help they need. Right. There's also a percentage of people that don't even admit that they're hard of hearing yep. and they need the help. So we as a community, we, the people of the United States and beyond, need to think about how to help everybody perform the best they can perform. And if it's a networking event, I want to go in there and know half my audience already. And I want to know that I'm going to be able to hear and converse and have a good conversation and kick off a good relationship. That's what a networking event is. Right? What is What are networking events like for you? Is it hard for you to hear in them? So hard. <laughs> so what do you typically say? Because you... If somebody looked at you, and I don't know, I can't see if you have hearing aids in, I'm assuming you do, but I can't see looking at your video right now. Do you tell people that to speak up? Do you try to read lips? What is a networking event like for you? And it's funny you said that. You don't see my hearing aids, but you, you yeah. can almost see them, right? The inside. Yeah. Now you can really see them. Yeah. But they blend in with my skin tone. They're tan, they're beige. Right. And a lot of times people meet me and see my enthusiastic self and they see that I'm outgoing and have a regular conversation with a regular person. And then I say something that, oh, you know, I'm, I'm actually hard of hearing. I read lips. If someone tries to talk in the noisy environment into my ear mm -hmm. and I back up and I say, oh, actually, I'm hard of hearing. I read lips. Oh, my. Oh, my God. Yeah. And now it's a relationship building conversation. When did you get hearing aids? When I was six. I have a grandparent, a mother, a father, this or that. And then it's like a personal connection. So. So tell me about what it's been like for the past year and a half with people wearing masks. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. It was, it was tough from day one. Not to mention no one really knew what was happening in the world. Mm -hmm. um, it was difficult, you know, mentally. Mm -hmm. It was a big challenge. And it was not going to lie, depressing. 
Yeah. And it was something that it was a new challenge, mm -hmm. but just like anything else, new challenges, I welcome them all. Right. I take a step back and I take a deep breath and I'm trying to go back to how do I be on offense in this situation? And then I figured out a way to be on offense. Hey, with our mask on, even I had a mask. They mm -hmm. have a mask. I'm hard of hearing, but uh, I'm going to do my best. I read lips, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I have a question for you. And now they're ready for it. Yep. I ask the question and sometimes they'll pull it down. Yep. And that's awesome. And, yep. if, and if you're in a safe area and you can pull it down, you feel comfortable, do that every time. Otherwise, wear a clear mask. Yep. Yeah. But not everybody has one. Right. What about, what are your thoughts on, so I'm thinking over the course of my career, how many times I've attended a panel discussion or been on a panel discussion or moderated a panel discussion. And in the 22 years that I've been in this industry, I've never seen anybody with a sign language person doing sign language for the panel, or I've never seen an instance, even at major conferences, like, and I go to major conferences, thousands, thousands of people attending, where there's ever been somebody signing, or there's ever been like a captioning thing on the, the only time I've ever seen a captioning thing in an, in an event was when I went to the opera and I was like, I don't fucking know Italian. And they had like the English words at the bottom, you know? So <laughs> that seems like the most obvious place to start making things more accessible for everybody. What are your thoughts on that? Awesome. Awesome highlight. I just joined this new company uh, five, six months ago called Three Play Media. Mm -hmm. And we are a software company that generates closed caption. We generate closed caption for all video content. We do live captioning that helps that event setting, but especially on uh, group Zoom calls and conventions, virtual yeah. webinars and whatnot. We help make things accessible. That is very, very important, not just for the hearing impaired. Mm -hmm. The fact is 80% of people that use closed captions are not deaf or hard of hearing. Right. Think about that. Mm -hmm. So again, going back to some people don't even admit that they're hard of hearing or need assistive technology. Yeah. We just need to make that a standard in all settings. Be on offense. Help others be on offense. My husband and I watch a lot of, well, even more so during the pandemic, we watch a lot of Netflix. And there's a few shows that we have to have closed captioning on, not because of my ear, but because we just can't freaking understand what they're saying. And the one is Peaky Blinders. Like that accent is so thick that we can't understand anything we're saying. So we naturally just watch it with captions. And there's a couple other ones. And we watch a lot of foreign language shows as well. So we're used to watching things with captions. I think it's just, like you said, most people who are watching videos with captions aren't even hard of hearing, but they're watching them on their phone. If we make it a normalized way of watching television, then it, that's, it, it seems like that might be also a good way to start making it just part of everyday life. It's actually an active bill. Um hoping to pass where closed captions will be on the televisions in public settings, mm -hmm. restaurants, bars, you name it, no matter what in Massachusetts. And it shouldn't take a bill deaf or hard of, well, 
It shouldn't take just deaf or hard of hearing folks to push for that bill to pass. It, it should take everybody. It should really become eye-opening that, you know, your brother or sister that's hearing knows you are losing your hearing right. and that you would benefit from this. You would excel from this. If you can look up at the TV and there's news on and yep. you, you don't want to be behind everybody else because they can hear it, but you can't. You want to be able to read it and you're on real time with everybody else. Right. You mentioned in the beginning that most people don't admit that they are losing their hearing. What do you know what, why people don't, is it, I admit it fully. I'm like, I can't hear out of this ear today, but I, I see it with people in my family who refuse to get hearing aids, even though I know they're losing their hearing. Like they, what, it, yeah. what is behind that? In preparation for this uh, podcast interview last night, I watched a movie again. Um, I'm hoping you've seen it. Julie is the sound of metal. So I haven't watched that one yet. And I wanted to, okay. So this is, this is very interesting that I watched Coda, which we'll bring up. I wanted to watch it. And I watched the trailer with my husband and my husband looked at me and said, this is too much about what's going on with you. Cause I'm in pain a lot with my ear, with the ringing and everything. So we watched Coda instead. Well, listen, (laughs) go on, go on. Pretend I'm actually sorry. No, (laughs) yep. No, that was a great uh, ad uh, because, but sound of metal, I'm not going to ruin it for you, but it's a, about a drummer who starts losing his hearing because of all the noise over the years and at first he doesn't admit to his girlfriend who's the singer in the band that he's having a a difficult time he sneaks an appointment with the doctor he's really frustrated it you can tell it's growing it's it's an emotional battle yeah it's a very and and i'm sure you can speak to this it's a very mental toughness exercise yeah you know when we think of exercise right lifting weights going for a run this is the the most difficult mental exercise you'll begin julie for you this is the most difficult mental exercise you will begin going through in this chapter of your life but you're gonna win because you've already won you're here today you're talking about it you're open about it you're coming to people that maybe uh, I'm not calling myself uh, an expert, but I will say that this is a community I've learned where we're all so supportive of one another and we all know someone going through a similar situation. And all we want to do is help because all we need is help. Right, right. I mean, and like, again, I said, I said it at the beginning and, and, and reiterated it. It's there's certain things in your life where you just don't pay attention to them until it's something that affects you. And this was what it was for me. The movie Coda, which is a fantastic movie. Coda is C-O-D-A, stands for Children of Deaf Adults. And there is a movie out right now, which takes place in Gloucester, Massachusetts. It is about a girl in high school who is fully hearing, but her entire family is deaf. Her parents are deaf. They can't hear a thing. Her brother is deaf. And so children of deaf adults. And it's about her discovering that she's a really, really good singer. And 
and then her having to tell her parents that she wants to sing for a living and she wants to go to Berkeley College of Music. And one line in the movie that just absolutely slayed me was her mom said, if I was blind, would you want to be a painter? And I just, it's such a sweet movie, but it does show. So there's this, there's this scene where the parents and the brother go to this girl's performance and she's singing and they're watching the crowd react to her singing and they can't hear a thing. In silence. In silence. And it just, it, it, I I hope everybody goes to see it because it, number one, it's funny. You laugh out, you laugh out loud in the movie, but it's also very, very moving and very, very telling about what people who, who are deaf experience when everybody around them can hear. And it's just, it's such an amazing movie that I hope everybody who listens to this podcast goes on Apple TV or whatever, Apple Plus and watches it because it's super funny and super sentimental at the same time. Right. Probably, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to add, I was lucky enough to be invited to a pre early screening for the movie Coda in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. And I I had a plus one and I brought my old roommate who has become a really good friend of mine, who is a coda. Oh, wow. And his, we were paired up random roommates. We needed a, someone to fill a bedroom. He came in and awesome guy. Turns out his mother is deaf, relies on sign language and his father's hard of hearing, has hearing aid, does not sign as much. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of a disconnect in the family in terms of communication, but this is one of the most loving families I've met. Mm-hmm. And they, we, we watched it together. And then a week later, his parents and they had friends over, they watched it and it was just awesome. Yeah. It was so relatable. I'm not a coder. My parents were hearing, right. but it was so relatable for both him and I yeah. to just connect and reflect and appreciate and not to mention there were open captions not closed captions which means they appear on the screen no matter what what, so everybody can hear Mm -hmm. even the nonverbal sounds um, that are coming out and it was just it was perfect it was so well done it's funny that there's two movies that have come out recently that surround the subject of hearing loss or being deaf and hard of hearing prior to that prior when I was thinking back this morning when I knew we were going to have this conversation I was like what was the the first movie and or the last movie I saw that addressed this and I can only think of when I was in high school so I'm 45 so we're going back some when I was in high school a movie came out called Mr. Holland's Opus have you heard of it what's say it one more time Mr. Holland's Opus so this was about a school teacher, a a music teacher. Hmm. And he, what music was his life. And then him and his wife had a child and they were at a parade and the the sirens were going off on the parade. And he was so afraid that the sirens were going to wake up his baby who was in like the, the carriage and the baby slept through it. And he knew at that moment, like there's no way this slept through it. So they did all the hearing tests on the baby and his child was deaf. And like, all he wanted to do was share music with his child. So I, I suggest that you go watch Mr. Holland's, if you can find it, Mr. Holland's opus, 
that was the first movie I ever saw that addressed hearing and hearing loss or, or parents with, with children who can't hear. Um, it, mm-hmm. It's a really, really sweet movie. Good to know. I will uh, take a look. I have it up on my screen now. Yeah. Awesome. 1995, it came out. Awesome. 95. Yeah. I was in high school. Yep. Was I in high school? When did I graduate? No, I graduated. I graduated high school in 94. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Once you get old, you just, all the years. Just a number. It's just a number. Ask me how long I'd been married. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Um, you recently had the opportunity to testify and advocate for a bill that would provide insurance coverage for hearing aids. What might, what most people might know is number one, hearing aids are really expensive. And number two, they're not covered by insurance. So mm. tell me about this bill and how you got involved and were able to speak on it. Great point. Um, good friend of mine, uh, Betsy, she invited me to join her in this testimony at the state house in Boston about three years ago. And of course, in between the pandemic happened and, you know, nothing moves that quickly anyhow. So it's still being looked at, but it's being sponsored, which means it's on the next stage. And then also out of the White House, a new bill did get passed for insurance to cover overhearing aids, which typically cover or assist uh, mild to moderate hearing loss. My degree is profound. Mm-hmm. So that wouldn't necessarily help, but this is a, a step in the right direction and it's helping so many people, especially the newbies that are experiencing hearing loss, especially senior folks that want to still listen to their favorite music and want to hear their grandchildren and the water and what have you. So we're making progress. Mm-hmm. This testimony was so authentic and real because I didn't even know what I was going to. (laughs) My friend Betsy said, hey, would you like to join me? It's it's at the state house. And and I went to the room and I mean, it was a big panel, a big auditorium, two screens with live captions, providing captions. And they had five different topics to, to discuss. And at the beginning, you fill out your name. And if you're interested in being called up to be tested, you know, to testify, they picked my name first. And when I got up there, it was all from here. And it was all just authentic and real. And they realized, wow, this is an actual topic that we need to discuss. This young man is a businessman. He's a sales professional. He's in and out of networking events and presentations, meeting people who's who of Boston all day. And he can't even hear sometime. We need to help him. And then the last question they asked was, and I know they're expensive. How much did they cost you, Dustin? Mm -hmm. And I said, it doesn't matter if it's $60, $600 or $6,000. They cost (laughs) $6,000. But, yeah. The truth of the matter is, it's a necessity. Yeah. And we need to do something about it. Yeah. And that's it. I love having these conversations because there are people, I mean, there's this podcast is being listened to in 19 countries, and there are people who never would have thought about this topic. And now they are. 
and the fact that now people will know and know that this is a thing and maybe go watch these movies that we talked about and then think about their next event and say, how can I make this event more inclusive for people who need ADA and people who need hearing and like, I mean, everything, all sorts of inclusivity is what we, what we are going for here. Mm-hmm. And I think just this is a very small part of, of bringing that to the front. And I'm so glad that you were here and you agree. I reached out to you and I'm so glad that you agreed to be a part of this podcast. No, again, thank you so much for having me. And I love having these conversations. When I talk about these conversations, it helps me so much better about myself mm-hmm. and I'm being active and putting myself out there. Yeah. You know, it, there's so much behind the scenes behind what it really means yeah. so I thank you for inviting me and Aww. reaching out this is great I'm, I'm so I'm so grateful thanks so much absolutely thank you 430 million people globally have disabling hearing loss that requires rehabilitation services by 2050 it is estimated to almost double that is nearly one in every 10 people on the planet The unemployment rate for people with hearing disabilities is staggering. Fewer than 40% of people with a hearing disability work full-time. While these statistics are eye-opening, they don't begin to explain the mental and emotional impact hearing loss has on many members of that community. Studies show that deaf individuals experience social and emotional difficulties at a rate as high as two to three times that of their hearing peers. And this has been especially true during the COVID-19 pandemic. Like I mentioned, we don't usually think about these things until they happen to or impact us. And the excerpts taken from a recent story on NPR shows how devastating that can be for people in the deaf community. One day in September 2019, Brady Mystic drove into the parking lot of a Colorado laundromat. He thought he was about to run a routine errand. Moments after exiting his car, Brady was blinded by the lights of a parked police cruiser. Two Idaho Springs police officers began shouting commands at him. One officer threw him to the ground and the other stunned him with her taser. One of Brady's legs was broken during the incident. The officers claimed Brady resisted arrest, that he said there was a different reason for his confused behavior. He couldn't hear them. Brady is deaf in both ears and isn't able to lip read. He uses American Sign Language to communicate. After he was thrown to the ground, Brady yelled, no ears, trying to communicate to the officers that he was deaf, but they ignored him and neither of them tried to secure an American Sign Language interpreter to come to the scene. Brady spent more than four months in jail and was repeatedly denied an interpreter. Eventually, all of the charges against him were dropped. You see, it's not just about acoustics at networking events or closed captioning panel discussions and conference speakers. It's broader and more far-reaching than that, and the consequences of our not understanding are real. Dustin said that he has to live his life on offense every day, just to get through situations and scenarios that most of us take for granted, where we can hear and understand what is happening around us. So, maybe when you're planning your next meeting or event, or designing your next hospitality venue, Think about how someone who is deaf or hard of hearing will experience that time in that space. Okay. 
come on a little ride with me and I'll tell you about this week's cocktail of the week, which is called the Golden Lasso of Truth. Mm -hmm. It combines one and a half ounces of white rum, a half an ounce of brandy, a half an ounce of triple sec, and a half an ounce of fresh lemon juice. It's all combined together with ice and then served in a martini glass topped with, you top that, you rim that martini glass with golden raw sugar, and then you top it with a candied twisted lemon peel. Now, why on earth did I pick a cocktail called the Golden Lasso of Truth? Well, this is one of three cocktails served at the Bristol Hotel in San Diego that are inspired by Wonder Woman. Now, what does Wonder Woman have to do with a discussion about the deaf and hard of hearing community? Well, more than you may think. Known as the fastest woman in the world, Kitty O'Neill was an American stunt woman and speed car racer. She was most famous in the 1970s, whether she was setting world speed records or leaping 127 feet from a balcony as Linda Carter's stunt double in Wonder Woman, Kitty pushed the limits throughout her career. It was a combination of multiple childhood illnesses at five months of age that affected Kitty's hearing. At two years old, Kitty's mother recognized that her daughter couldn't hear, so she taught her lip reading and speech. In Kitty's words, deaf people can do anything, never give up. When I was 18, I was told I couldn't get a job because I was deaf. But I said, someday I'm going to be famous in sports to show them I can do anything. She set 22 speed records on land and water and retired in 1982. So that's it, my friend. The Golden Lasso of Truth Cocktail. Thanks so much for being here and for listening to this most important discussion. Until next week. Cheers. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a tip. And remember, you can unapologetically be who you authentically are and still be wildly successful. That's a fact. See you next week on This Shit Works. This Shit Works.